Yaakov is giving a message to Esav. And this message is that he is ready for Mashiach. And that's the meaning of his words to Esav. I have ox and I have donkeys. Ox is a reference to Yosef, or more specifically to Mashiach ben Yosef. Mashiach comes from Yosef. And donkey refers to Mashiach ben David because it says in the Talmud that Mashiach will come as a poor man riding on a donkey. So Yaakov is telling Esav, I am ready for Mashiach. And why am I ready for Mashiach? Yaakov says, I'm ready for Mashiach because I have sheep and I have male servants and I have female servants. And we explained yesterday that what Yaakov was saying was, the reason why I'm ready for Mashiach, the reason why Geula could come, is because I did all I needed to do vis-a-vis the sheep and the, and the male servants and female servants. What does Yaakov need to do? What is, that, what is that referring to? So, the idea of sheep means that you go out of yourself. It's the idea of serving Hashem with acceptance of the yoke of Hashem. Not just serving Hashem when it makes sense to you, when you feel like doing it, but serving Hashem in the way of a sheep means that you're flexible to do things which are beyond what you're comfortable to do. Kabbalah sale acceptance of the yoke of Hashem. You could have a teacher who can really affect someone. You could say lots of wonderful ideas to a student and get the student to have a different perspective on what is important and what's not important in the world. So that the student may have previously been into all kinds of vain and trivial things. And now the student is full of a rich appreciation for his relationship with Hashem and for Hashem's kindness. And now he is, he is changed. Now he is into the good stuff. But if it's all based upon what he understands, the teacher will not produce a student that is ready to leave their, to go on Messias Nefesh, to have sacrifice for Yiddishkeit. It's just going to go as far as it makes sense to them because the, the teacher is only giving the student what the student can receive in their vessel, in their mind, in their heart. The idea of a sheep and a male servant and a female servant is that it's not just based on what you understand and what you feel. It's about it's about the first step of serving Hashem, which is to to follow what Hashem wants you to do. So Yaakov tells Lavan, tells Esav, I was by Lavan and I elevated all of the sparks in the sheep and the male servants and the female servants, which also means that I served Hashem in a perfect way, not just in a perfect way intellectually and emotionally, but I went out of everything within myself. And just like in creation, um, the godly energy that is needed to make something to switch from not existing to existing has to be something infinite. You need something infinite in order to be able to bridge the gap between not from not to yes. The, on the other hand, just to give something a particular um, characteristic or property that does not require anything infinite. So for water to exist, you need to have an infinite power that there should be the existence of something. But the specific properties of water, that water has hydrogen and oxygen, etc., that only requires a finite godly energy. To create the properties and the theme and the limitations of something, that has to do with the spiritual makeup. Just like there's physical water, there's also the spiritual energy that vivifies and animates the water. 
But then there is the fact that the water exists in the first place. So for the water to exist, there has to be something which doesn't fit into the water. You have to have something infinite to bridge the gap from non-existing to existing. What kind of existence you have, so that already could be something that's, that since it's something which is definable and has a, a theme and a characteristic, that could stem from a limited godly light and energy. But to bridge the gap from not existing to existing, that requires something which is beyond the confines of that, let's say, cup of water that you're drinking. L'chaim. So in a similar way, um, if we're talking about um, serving Hashem and connecting to God's infinite light, the light of Hashem which is beyond the spiritual cosmos, the light of Hashem which is beyond all the worlds, so the Torah says, go out and see. You can't connect to the infinite by just serving Hashem based upon what makes sense to you. Then you're serving Hashem in a limited, confined way. In order to connect to the infinite, you have to go beyond yourself. And even though your infinity is still not anything close to God's infinity, but Hashem responds to us based upon where we are. Like the Ramami Pano, we discussed many times, the Ramami Pano um, quotes a Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, my beloved ran to these Harib Samim, to these huge mountains. And he explains that the huge mountains represent lofty godly lights. And although godly lights are way beyond the size of any mountain, but since in our world, in our world, a big mountain is something big, so it represents something big spiritually. And similarly, we say in Davening, love Hashem with all your might, meaning excessively, beyond what's, beyond what's comfortable, beyond what's, what's, what's normal, beyond what's, uh, in the language that Rambam, like a person who is infatuated with the relationship with someone, so it's something which is, they can't stop thinking of, the Rambam says, of that, that, that woman that, he, that they're infatuated with. So that's the meaning of their person goes beyond, beyond themselves. So when, when the Yaakov tells Esav he's ready for Mashiach, how is he ready for Mashiach? He's ready for Mashiach because he has, he, he specifically enumerates the, the service of Hashem, which is about going beyond limitations, about in order to get the revelation of godliness, of the coming of Mashiach, of the infinite light of Hashem, it's not through understanding, it's not through feeling, it's through something infinite, it's through him going beyond his limitations, it's through him being like a sheep, like a male servant, like a female servant, like being a simple servant of God, letting go of whatever he's used to. That's Yaakov's message to Esau. Now, the Rebbe continues now in the next paragraph of the discourse, and the Rebbe explains that this is something which is relevant to us as well. The Torah is eternal, as the author writes on the Pasuk, in Tanya, the author explains the verse, it is very close to you, in your mouth, in your heart to fulfill the Torah, so when the Torah says it's very close, it's not talking about anybody else. It's talking about every single Jew, even the Jew who he considers himself to be the most inferior. Even to that person, God says, it is very close to you. Not just it's close, but again, it's very close. So it's understood that it's very close for every single Jew to reach the level of the sheep and the male servant and the female servant and thereby to merit to have the docks and the, the ox and the donkey, thereby to merit the revelation of Mashiach Ben Yosef, Mashiach Ben David. But we need to understand, the Rebbe asks, how is it possible for us to reach this? 
that during the time of the exile, there are many concealments of godliness, especially in the generation right before the coming of Mashiach, where the darkness is doubled and quadrupled. How is it possible that everyone can reach this revelation of the coming of Mashiach? How is it possible that we're going to merit to receive this revelation? Rebbe quoted in other places often the words of the Yushalmi that if one Jew does a perfect tshuva, Mashiach will come. Only is one person to do tshuva the way it's meant to be. So the question is, how can we merit the coming of Mashiach? How is it possible that we're in such a state of darkness and all of a sudden we're going to turn around and, and merit to have... Uh, Yaakov says he's ready, so to the Rebbe says each of us can be ready. The question is, how can we be ready? knowing that a moment before we were in a doubled and quadruple darkness. And as we learned many times, the meaning of quadruple darkness as opposed to double darkness, the extra expression means that you don't even know you're in the dark. At least if you know you're in the dark, so you try to get out of the dark. But kafel mukhupel means that you don't even know that you're in the dark. Everything just seems so, uh, in the language of the 80s, so hunky-dory. You're in hunky-dory land. So if it's so hunky-dory, so how are you going to suddenly um, turn towards Mashiach and, and, and where's it going to come from? So explanation is, Rebbe says, explanation is, says in the Talmud, when the Jewish people do Teshuvah, they are redeemed immediately. That means, despite the fact that there's so many concealments of godliness, by doing Teshuvah, we're able to accomplish that the Mashiach should come right now. But this itself needs to be understood, as I was about to ask. How is it possible that in one moment we can turn from one extreme to another? How can we go from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high and even higher? The highest of the high and even higher, um, that expression perhaps means something similar to what Rebbe writes in uh, Mimer, we've learned before, Shemas Mamakim. In that Mimer, Rebbe talks about how if you say something's higher than something else, that means there's some kind of relationship to it. It's in, it's in the same um, realm. So we're meant to go from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high and even higher. We're supposed to go, as there that discourse that talks about muhusa tshuva. Muhusa tshuva doesn't just mean that you fix up one specific issue in your life or one general issue or many general issues. Muhusa tshuva means you move to a whole new place. And because you're in a whole new place, automatically everything else is different. Everything's different because you're, you're in a different place. So how is it possible that since a moment before, when such darkness, how are we supposed to all of a sudden be like Yaakov and be, and, and be able to look at Esav in the face and say to him, I'm ready for Mashiach. I'm actually to be ready for Mashiach. How is that possible that we could be all of a sudden be ready in an instant? So understand this by first prefacing. It says in a Pasuk. It says in a Pasuk, let the barren woman be rejoice, rejoice, and be happy when her children will return to her. That's what the pasuk says. We need to understand: joy comes because of children, as it says in the Torah. A mother of children is joyful. That's the source of joy. And since she's a barren woman, so why is she having joy? That's. The first question. Second question is, what is a, the very meaning of the verse? The verse starts off with saying that she is barren. And then it says she should rejoice when her children return, return to her. Is she barren or does she have children? 
So first of all, why is she, if the Torah says that the mother of children rejoices, why is she rejoicing without children? And second of all, what's the meaning of the verse? And the first half of the verse says that she is by herself, no children. The second half of the verse says that she has children. So which one is it? So the Gemara um, asks a, um, a similar question, another verse. The verse says, The barren woman shall rejoice. The barren woman who does not have children shall rejoice. The Gemara asks, If she has no children, why should she rejoice? What's the joy about? It sounds like the, the barren woman specifically should have children, should have joy. Why is she rejoicing more than anybody else? So the Gemara answers, this verses are certain to, referring to the Jewish people. And they shall rejoice because they have no children that will go to Gehenim. Unlike the nations of the world, the Jewish people are barren in the sense that they don't have, don't have hellish offspring. What does that mean? What does hellish offspring mean? So there are two kinds of offspring. There's offspring in the realm of the holiness, and there's offspring in the realm of the unholy, or the opposite. What does offspring in the realm of holy mean? In the realm of the holy holy mean? This refers to positive feelings that are born from Bina, from understanding the greatness of Hashem. It says about Leah, that Leah had six children. Leah in Kabbalah refers to meditation. That's the meaning of the, of the Pasuk, the name of the older daughter the, of Yaakov is Leah. Leah is called the older daughter, but the word Hagadayla also can mean Hagadayla. The big hay of God's name is Leah. Leah is connected to the, to the big hay, the first hay of God's name. What's the first hay of God's name? Well, the yud of God's name is Chachma, and the first hay of God's name is Bina, understanding. So through understanding and meditating, that's how you have the offspring of the positive emotions. And that's why Bina, the power of understanding, is called the mother of children. The, rejoice, the happy mother of children, that's Bina, because Bina is about understanding. Through understanding, you have offspring. Specifically, when you think about God's goodness and God's greatness and God's kindness with us, that inspires love for Hashem. When you think about His exaltedness, that inspires reverence and fear and awe of Hashem. And so too is this for all kinds of emotions. All kinds of emotions really are connected to either attraction or rejection, ava and yira. So all feelings are born from understanding. And just like this is true in holiness, Hashem wants us to have free will. As it says in the Torah, look, I give you life and goodness, death and evil, and you should choose life. And therefore, just like there are positive feelings and emotions, so too Hashem gives us the opposite in order that we should nevertheless, despite the fact that, it's, that there are negative emotions, we should still choose life. And our, the negative emotions, the negative feelings, are also the offspring of understanding. That means, when we think about the pleasures of this world, that causes us to have feelings for negative stuff. So when we think about how great the pleasures of this world are, that gives birth to avazares, that gives birth to strange kinds of love, to love the wrong thing. When we think about, um, let's say, why we are frightened about um, how to make money and how to survive financially, 
that's going to create anxiety. It's going to create that's going to create a strange fear. A fear, a fear that's not it's called a strange meaning. It's not for Hashem. Thinking about um, what will happen A, B, and C that creates anxiety and fear. So all negative character traits, just like positive character traits, are generally grouped in two areas: attraction, rejection, avinira. So all of these character traits are born from being a, born from thinking about whatever you're thinking about. No, yes, to come inside, yes. A few minutes say this. So that's the meaning of the pasuk. What does that mean? Why should the Jewish people be rejoice? It says in the Torah, the barren woman who does not have children should rejoice. What's the barren woman referring to? The barren woman is referring to the Jewish people. And although we have not front row seats, back row seats, all the same price. Although we haven't given birth to a positive offspring, we don't, although we don't have positive feelings, but at least we don't have negative feelings. Because we don't have negative feelings, because we don't have love to what we shouldn't have love for, because we don't have fear, because what we shouldn't have fear for, that's why the barren woman should rejoice. The Jewish people should rejoice because although they haven't achieved love and reverence for Hashem, at least they're on this, the way of, they're, 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 they're open because they haven't given birth to hellish offspring, meaning they haven't given birth to strange loves and fears for, um, for negative things. So how can we be certain? Ever continues next paragraph in Ois Dalit, Ois Gimel. How can we be certain that we will not have negative offspring, meaning that we will not have strange loves and fears? So this is achieved by, as the verse says in chapter fifty-four, uh, verse Hey of Yeshaya, Ki Bayalayach Yisayach, your Maker, Yisayach Hashem is your Creator and Maker, says the Talmud. A woman does not make a covenant to anyone else other than the person who made her into a vessel. This is a reference to the Jewish people as well. Then, Not just a reference to relationships and how relationships work. The Torah is saying that in order for a Jew to have relationship to Hashem, he first has to be a vessel. How do we make a covenant with Hashem? Every Jew is called the wife of Hashem. So how do we make a covenant with Hashem? The first thing we have to do is be a vessel. What's the meaning of being a vessel? So it says in the Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, the uh, well that the nobleman dug. That Pasuk is referring to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are called the noblemen, the prestigious people. And they proceed to try to dig a well within us. What does that mean, to try to dig a well within us? Just like a physical well. What's a physical well? There's, an, there's a wellspring. There's, there's living water that's shooting forth. But there's dirt and, and all kinds of stones that are covering the water. So the water is not, it's not spreading forth. So what do you need to do? You need to dig so that, that, so that the water can come forth. And in a similar way... The Avis, Av Mitzik and Yaakov, they seek to create in us a kvel and a geshmak. These are the Rebbe's words, a kvel and a geshmak, a yearning and a, a geshmak and a pleasure in godliness. They try to create in us this 
that we should yearn for a godliness and that we should enjoy godliness. That's the meaning of being a vessel. Being a vessel for, mean, for something means that you're ready for something, you want something, and, you, and you're ready for it. You, you, you could, like the previous Sherba once said about the difference between headed and deadheaded. He said, you could hear something just with your ears, and that doesn't, that's not called hearing at all. You could hear something with your mind. It's also not really called hearing because it's not actionable. You, know, you haven't really gone anywhere with it. You could hear something with your feelings. It's also not so, doesn't cause, uh, doesn't cause anything to happen. If you hear something with your pleasure, if you hear something with your desire, that part of your herd, whatever it is, things are going to happen fast. In that discourse, the previous was talking about the power of derherin, which is a different thing entirely, that you feel something all the way in your, in, in your kish, because you feel something in your feet, that it's a physical reaction, that you, it, not just there's an emotional or desire, but, but for our purposes, what our forefathers tried to create in us, what Av Mitzvah and Yaakov, who are called, uh, parenthetically, they're called one part of the seven shepherds who consistently try to help us, they try to make us vessels for godliness. What does it mean to be a vessel for godliness? It means you have chayas in Kedusha. That you enjoy Kedusha, you have enthusiasm for Kedusha. It's possible, the Rebbe says, that a mitzvah could be done without any vitality. You could do a mitzvah out of habit. There are some people who are cold. That means they're, they're, their nature is they're not just, in, they're, they're not, not excitable people. And therefore, they don't do, make mistakes, and they do what Hashem tells them to do, but it's without any energy at all. They're just doing it because they're just not attracted to doing the wrong thing. And it's possible to do mitzvahs because that's what your forefathers told you to do. You're doing whatever your, whatever your grandfathers told you to do. You're just, just in a habit of doing things. But that, if you're doing mitzvahs because of that, then you have no energy at all what you're doing. And therefore, when you do a mitzvah, you're not going to be very careful to do it right. And you might also miss a mitzvah entirely because you don't, you're not into it. Chayas. If you don't have chayas in it, you're not going to do it beautifully. You may, may, you may skip it. So too with davening. It's possible that you could daven, Rebbe says, without any energy at all. It's even possible that you could forget what chapter, what, 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 what you're saying, which part of davening you're up to. And that's, and that's because your davening is only with your lips and your heart's not with you. You don't know what's happening with you. And even when you study Torah, although in Torah there is a revelation of the infinite light of, Hash, infinite light of Hashem is shining in the Torah, nevertheless it's possible to study Torah without any, any excitement at all. And your whole study of Torah is just because you're naturally a diligent person or because you got used to it. But there's no energy at all. There's no holy energy there at all. And that means that... It's possible that although the Torah is the wisdom and the will of Hashem, and it's, 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 it's a really intimate moment over here, nevertheless, you forget about the giver of the Torah. And therefore, you have to, have, you have to be the, the wellspring. You have to be the vessel that our forefathers tried to create. That means they tried to bring out that powerful force in us that enjoys godliness, that, that, that is excited by godliness, so that our mitzvahs and our Torah and our tefillah means something to us, and they're done with passion. So that's the objective, our forefathers, to make us into vessels for godliness. And when you are a vessel for godliness, when you're into Kedusha, then you won't give birth to negative offspring. What causes us to, get, to have negative offspring is that we're not into anything. If we're not into anything, so then we're easy prey for the Yitzhahara to take us the wrong way. But if we're into the right stuff, then that, in other words, you can't just be in, in middle. Being in the middle is a painful place to be. You can't be in the middle. Either you're excited about Kedusha, 
Or you're excited about the opposite of Kedusha. You can't just be par if you're not excited about anything. If you're not gonna, if you're just going to be in the middle, you're, you're eventually going to go to uh, the negative. So that's the objective of our forefathers. Avmets and Yaakov, they try to dig in us, reveal in us this the yearning and this and this geshmak, this enjoyment and godliness, so that we'll uh, we'll do mitzvahs and learn Torah and, and with, with 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 excitement and automatically we won't um, uh, we'll be protected from all negative stuff. L'chaim l'chaim v'rach. Questions, comments? All right, I guess not.